Hi everyone, this is Tony Holbein from Growblox. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we are wrapping 2023 and what a year it has been. We are going to share the top five takeaways from our fantastic guests this year. Enjoy. Uh, so I was driving down to Germany. Yeah. Um, crazy fucking snowstorm. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like really, really bad. It was so bad that the, um, you know, what might be considered normal in the US, but the left-hand side of the um, of the highway, the lane, the left lane, yeah. basically um, couldn't drive on it. It was so <laughs> snowy, couldn't drive on it. So, and then the rest was like snow in your face all the time. It's crazy. And this was not the, hey, you didn't dress for the occasion kind of scenario. It's, it wasn't about the car. It, it, the road was really... No, trust me, the car was fine. <laughs> That's good. The car pulled through. <laughs> yeah. I had all the co-pilot sensors on everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was pretty good, actually. And then, you know, sometimes it breaks a little bit like, what's going on? There's nothing. Yeah. And sometimes it breaks, it's like... Didn't yeah. see that one coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's that's a good one, you know. <laughs> so how are you gonna segue that one, my good friend? I don't know. Are we are we but, back again in the GPS yeah, windshield? Uh, I don't think so because no. it's not that episode, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, last week the Spotify's annual wrapped hit <laughs> hit the wire <laughs> with a W with a yeah R. with a W yeah. uh, wicka, wicka. Um, so that hit last uh, last week and uh, obviously we also wanted to wrap the year and kind of play back some of the things that you might have missed if you just started listening to this show now uh, we've had a ton of guests on who yep. especially in this terrible shitty nasty year we've gone through had some really insightful advice and tips um, so what we're gonna do in this episode is we're going to go through some of our favorites, some of the best ones, and we're going to chit-chat a bit about those. And hopefully it's a great way for you also to triage what episodes should you hop back to and maybe listen to. Yeah. Um, because there are some good episodes, definitely. Some, some pretty fantastic people. I got to say, kind of starting out the year, we were like, let's have guests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mikkel and I, I'm not going to say who, but Mikkel and I recently looked back at the our top five list, you know, you know, maybe maybe they're gettable. Yeah. Um, and we're like, ah, no, it's um, it's it's fine. I think we improved since then. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was was pretty awesome. It was a pretty awesome time since then. Yeah. No, it has been. I'm still. I mean, it's. It, I don't think it has to be a secret, but I'm still gunning for Mark Benioff at some point in time. We need to get him on. So if you know him, connect me with him. Do an intro. Probably. I mean. It's I, a long shot. I learned of a new intro to someone that you really want to have. Okay, um, good. But okay, you know, good. I'm not going to say that. I'm I mean, still, I'm still working on Obama. I mean, <laughs> either I'll take either. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Barack, or you know. And I will also care. just say, it, sometimes it's great to have those people everyone knows. But there's also been a couple of episodes with, you know, people I didn't know about, you didn't know about, who's just been awesome. Yeah. Um, one of the first one, Ben the SaaS CFO, I think was a great episode to get the perspective of a CFO. Right. A lot of people know him though. Yeah, a lot of people. I didn't. I'm in marketing. We don't care about finance. I mean, come on. Um, but, it's, <laughs> but I think it's still like to the point. I, I think it's great to get some of those, you know, the top brass. Yeah. That's awesome. But actually some of the other. So we had Somia from HubSpot as yeah. well. Shantanu from God. There were so many great people as well we spoke to. 
And I think just hearing their story, you know, sometimes you get surprised. So that's that's the cool bit. And we're going to continue next week. We have also I think guests. people are just tired of listening to us. No, exactly. It's too much. We yeah. should maybe do a spinoff just for yeah. the people who aren't tired of us. Yeah. And both <laughs> two of them. So your wife and my yeah. mine, they can just tune into that. And my instead. kids. Yeah. And maybe and maybe we extend from half an hour just to one hour sessions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can raise money on that. Yeah. Exactly. So we have five wonderful clips that we're going to run through in a minute, in a minute. So last time we did this uh, last year. It's pretty sad. It was pretty sad yeah. because it was just clips <laughs> with us. you and I talking. Yeah. And when I heard the episode, I was like, boy, is this confusing? When are they commenting and when is it a clip? Yeah. So it's just going to be guests you're going to hear today. Yeah. But we actually also had two other episodes that we wanted to kind of maybe also just highlight a little bit um, because they've been really popular and there were some pretty strong takeaways in there. And maybe you want to go first. Mikkel, no, you go first. Come on. So uh, one of my favorites is actually a recent one. It's sales forecasts suck. I think it's, I mean, it's a couple of weeks ago. So if you haven't heard it, you know, you should definitely listen to it. You should, definitely listen, you should to definitely listen to it. So I think the whole premise of that episode, which is really cool, is the main point of predictability a company has is the sales forecast. If we're being really honest, that's the only point where they have some level of predictability of understanding how is the quarter going to end and kind of by i would say happy coincidence we started discussing the sales forecast a bit and we realized that there's just so many flaws baked into the sales forecast it's great for coaching but it's not that great for predictability there's a lot of challenges people have with getting a predictable forecast in the first place i can't remember the exact mm. stat but i think it was like up to maybe two or three weeks before the quarter close it's yeah. like the vast majority so we're talking like 60 percent. they can't predict you know yeah. accurately and that's just crazy and then i think i thought about especially for from my perspective in marketing it's always been hard to talk about revenue like it's been really difficult because you have so many metrics that leads Aww. to that yeah so many metrics that lead to that but actually if you apply a right model to your setup you can start predicting because you know the velocities and the conversion rates and the acvs and mm -hmm. stuff like that I think that was just so powerful. Um, and I think it can change a lot for the organization to apply it. No, I agree. And, and I think I think we've all been indoctrinated with this religion of the sales forecast. Mm. And I think there's just a little bit of like, someone needs to start asking, why, why are we doing this? Yeah. Actually. <laughs> um, and, and once you have unfolded that to a degree, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Now that we know. So why aren't we doing this for the other areas as well? It's, yeah. And I think this is what this um, session is about. So let's, uh, you know, please, you know, everyone uh, go go back and have a listen. I think my piece is, you know, it's it's a good good old you know all time favorite of mine. Mm. Is that RevOps are still acting themselves and being treated like system admins? Yeah, is it still it's still the same thing? And um, you know, in the very beginning of of Roblox and the podcast, I was like, hey, yeah, and it's is it the mean bosses and and so forth. I think it's it's fifty fifty by now. It's also you know RevOps people not. Um, maybe they're articulating that they want to kind of, everyone wants to be strategic. I mean, we know yeah. this by now, but actually kind of going there and grabbing it and taking it, yeah. I think that's that's also missing with, with a lot of people, right? Kind of, we have a great um, handbook you can download talking about this, how you can be, you know, more articulate in, in, in actually achieving this. And then I'm started to siding very much with uh, Pablo Dominguez, actually, when we had them on the on the show. And he's not he's not going to be listed here, actually, unfortunately, today. No. Sorry, Pablo. Um, he basically said, well, you know, no one is getting any strategic roles handed to them. You need to go there and fucking grab them. Yeah. Uh, he didn't he didn't use the F word. He's too no. he's too mannered for that. 
But uh, uh, I, I totally agree with that, right? Yeah. Um, and I think uh, if you if you couple this with yes, good execution on the admin side, I think you can be super powerful. And uh, and I think really the you know what 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 is it? What can you do? Well, you need to start thinking about the future. Strate being strategic is thinking about the future, mm. aligning yourself with what your boss is thinking about, which is revenue cost or you know both yeah and if you do these things i think um revops sits in a really unique position uh in the go-to-market to be super super strategic yeah i think it's also funny one of the things we we discussed was a lot of folks they don't then know what it even looks like right mm -hmm. and i think that primed us to create this ebook you mentioned yeah. um you can find it on our website it's called this is what strategic revops look like mm -hmm. it's basically a step-by-step -step how to get there which is pretty nifty cool so i think with this terrible year coming to a close, it was it wasn't that terrible. I don't I don't think it's that terrible. Well, a it bunch was of, rough. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was inconvenient and stuff. I get it. And I mean, there's still a bunch of companies that you know at a high AR, growing super fast. Yeah. Yada yada yada. But I mean, you just said it. Apparently, well, Spotify they let go of seventy percent. I'm not sure if it was a joke or something, but uh, it was from a person that didn't seem like. So it's not a delayed April Fool's or no. something. No, 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 no. Okay. So I mean, it's it's been good and bad. Let's put it like that. No, on, on that news, what is surprising is all of us thought like, hey, everyone kind of shed, everyone that needs to go yeah. like, you know, last end of last year, early this year, maybe in the summer, but it's still ongoing, my friend. Yeah, no, exactly. You know what? You're right. Terrible year. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, let's take the first clip, uh, which is definitely, I think, going to be putting on the path for next year to hopefully make that a better one. Uh, I'm going to play, if I hit the right button here, I'm going to play one uh, of my favorites, Jakob van der Koy from Winning by Design. Here we go. The first principle of any subscription recurring revenue-based machinery is recurring revenue is the result of recurring impact. If you do not deliver recurring impact, you're not going to get recurring revenue. It's as simple as that. If Disney will stop putting on new Star Wars episodes, we will stop the subscription. If Netflix will stop new putting new TV shows on, we will stop the subscription. If I don't get the impact I pay for, I will stop doing it. Recurring revenue is the result of recurring impact. That means that the goal that you need to set forth as a company is not one to achieve recurring revenue. No, that's an outcome. You need to achieve recurring impact. If you focus your company on achieving recurring impact, your attention goes up, your expansion will go up, you will keep the right customers, your NRR will go up, your valuation will go up, you will go public, you will be, uh, as a public company, successful. All that just from helping your customer achieve the, the impact that you promised. Yeah. I think this is one of uh, Jaco's all-time favorite yeah. snippets also himself. I think he's uh, you know pushing that out uh, a lot. Yeah. And what, what always struck me <clears throat> is... Um, it's so super hyper obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's so powerful nonetheless. Yeah. Right? So I think that's that's pretty cool about this one. And I think, um, uh, you know, in, in the essence, like everyone in go-to-market is always thinking about ARR, annual recurring revenue, annual, mm. you know, that's, that's your know, quota, that's what you tell to investors. And he's, he's really kind of trying hard to kind of shift this away from this money measurement. Yeah. To a, no, 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 all of this is just an outcome of someone paying you a bill for using whatever you're doing yeah. again and again and again and again, right? And I think, especially for us on the go-to-market side, we sometimes forget about that. Yeah. 
right? And um, uh, yes, that has to do with product, has to do with service and so forth, but it also has to do with what kind of customers do you want to acquire, both in sales, but also which one do you want to attract through marketing and so forth, and really shifting the focus away from, I think what Karen Dorsey calls the west side of the bow tie yeah. to the east side of the bow tie <laughs> and kind of creating that recurring revenue, super powerful message. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think also, even when you look at the left-hand side, so the acquisition side of the bow tie, actually understanding and uncovering the impact that a potential customer wants at that stage is going to help you once they become a customer, right? And I think to his point, it's totally you know accurate. If you cannot keep delivering an impact to the customer, then they will cancel. I mean, that that's just a given. Uh, and sure, they might have an annual contract and you will hit, get hit in the face, you know, at month 12, mm-hmm. but you need to keep you keep a close eye on on that element. And it's both from a product development, I can't talk anymore. It's both from a product development standpoint, but also from a marketing, sales, CS, the yes. whole the whole spiel, right? And I think um, the, the other piece he's talked a bit about is when you look at growth of a SaaS business, it's coming from the customers. Like at some point, once you pass the 10, 20 million AR, the new base AR you add, it's not going to be bigger than the retention side, right? So it does matter a great deal to you and the business you build. Yeah, and it stays the forgotten child. But let's move on to the next one here. So Chris Walker, we also had on this show quite a bit ago, and I think we talked about actually planning, mm-hmm. one of our favorite subjects. So let's see what, what he had to say. And then from a planning perspective, if, if you methodically think about it and plan appropriately, oftentimes the growth goals of companies drive the wrong behaviors. If you're trying to get fit in a year, you're going to do different things than if you're trying to get fit in seven days. You're going to cheat when you try and get fit in seven days, and you're probably not going to get the result. And then at day 14, when your five-day fast ends and you take in all those fat burners, you're going to gain back the weight. And so... Part, part of this is a goal problem. If you're actually trying to build a scalable revenue engine, you don't do it by flooding money for MQLs and scaling sales headcount. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah, that's Chris Walker for you right there. <laughs> no, so I think, um, uh, I, I think you know, it, what's funny actually, once you kind of put them both side by side like this, it's pretty interesting also how, how m- much aligned their vocabulary almost is. Mm. You know, Jaco talked about a revenue machinery I think Chris now mentioned like an engine or revenue engine or something like this, yeah. right? I, for, I kind of forgot the kind of specific word, but something mechanical almost, yeah. right? And then obviously, I mean, Chris to me looks looks pretty fit, much, <laughs> you know, much more fit than, <laughs> than you and I, than you and I for sure. <laughs> so you know, some of his some of his comparisons with the fat burner and whatever, you yeah. know, it's like they go over my head. I, can, I I think I know what he's talking about. Yeah, but really having this this realization that. If you um, if you really compare it to you as an organic body, so to speak, and say like, well, there's one thing, you know, trying to achieve something in a year's time, which is, you know, uh, makes sense. You have the time for it. Mm. You can, you know, work towards it. It's realistic. It's just, it's still difficult, yeah. uh, but it's realistic versus what, you know, we've been doing for the last, uh, I don't know, uh, pre-2022, I guess, years, uh, basically kind of, okay, kind of how can we, how can we push this as fast as fucking possible? Right? Yeah. And he then refers specifically to this MQL playbook mm. um, that we've seen. I don't know. It came out through HubSpot, I guess. Right? Yeah. Kind of that. That was a whole HubSpot in 2010 or something yeah, like this in bar marketing. And uh, and I think this has now been also demystified by now. I think there was a great thing from Chris to kind of bring this up. I think 2018. Yeah. But um, really, by now it's like okay, yes, 
not all MQLs are created equal. Got that. Parts of those are demo requests. Parts of that are not. Mm. The part that is not is probably not going to work for you. Yeah. If you if you can figure out, even through cheating, I don't care, but if you can figure out how to scale your actual high intent demo requests by mm. a lot, I think it's going to work out for you still, right? I mean, I, I think you wouldn't complain about that. It's just about no. this... You know, we have 500 MQLs a day. All of them are demo requests. They're producing half a million in, in revenue. Great. Yeah. And now make it 5,000 <laughs> and it's still half a million in revenue. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the big problem. I think it's also a big, you know, the other big takeaway is really on the growth goals you set as a mm -hmm. business. I remember Dave Kellogg, he had a bit around, you know, with him as CEO, asking someone on his team to commit, he actually wanted them to say if they didn't agree with the goal because maybe he would need to go back and change the plan. Maybe it was actually wrong, right? And I think that's the other level. I, I remember with Chris, we talked a lot about the tension of what's realistic versus what the board wants. And that's that's a different, difficult kind of squeeze you might get stuck he, in. He had a great other quote there. And, and I can't piece it as eloquently together as Chris obviously did. But uh, he said something, well, um, the, the model isn't wrong. The goals are wrong. Yeah. Basically, meaning, okay, you want to, you're at 10, you want to grow to 30 million, mm. and you run the model, and you know, the model just doesn't get you to 30. Yeah. Whatever you do, <laughs> it just doesn't get you there. And sure, someone sitting in FPA, like, oh, I can just take this ACV and this conversion rate, and suddenly you see there, we hit 30 million. Sure. But basically, kind of, instead of blaming the model and tweaking the model and kind of, you know, finding numbers that you can improve. Yeah. Basically, you need to be honest with yourself and say, like, listen, maybe the goals are wrong. Yeah. Maybe the model is right and the goals are wrong. And I think that was a pretty cool insight from him because especially that tension of trying to hit those goals and not being able to. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's not just a you can will yourself into existence and, you know, you can get there if you really try hard. Um, there are some laws of physics that prevent yeah. you from doing it. Um, and he was basically calling out kind of, hey, the laws of physics are what they are in the model. And then that's just not going to get you to the goal that you wanted to. Exactly. So let's move on to another. Carl Poyer from OpenView. He writes on Growth Unhinged. And we talked a bit with him about one of his favorite subjects, which is pricing and packaging. So let's hit play here. Pricing is just one of the most powerful growth levers for your business. So when you think about all the things you can do over the next year to increase revenue growth by, let's call it 10 or 20% over your baseline, pricing is one of the few things that you can do relatively quickly, doesn't require adding new headcount, and it works like a scary high percentage of the time, right? There's certainly cases where pricing changes have backfired, but in my experience, about 80 to 90% or more of the time, Pricing changes lead to faster revenue growth. Crazy, huh? I mean, I'm just stumped by the, would you want to make a bet where you have 80, 90% chance of winning? It's like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take that action and I'll bet heavily on it. Um, so I think it's, it is one of the easier levers to pull. Yes, there's going to be a lot of work for CS in this scenario and having those conversations with folks. You might also want to enable that team by having, you know, being able to say, we've released all these new things for you and enable you to have this recurring impact, right? But still, it is one of the levers. If you're not pulling it, you're missing out. It's going to, you know, help you out. No, it's 1000% the case. Yeah. And I really, I really love it. I really loved having him on the show and him, um, helping all of us grow, grow some balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I've I've been I've been sitting in this situation myself many times. Oh, should we increase prices? Should we not? And how should we do it? Should we do it on new sales? Should we do it on the existing side? Um, it's really not that it's really not that easy. And um, usually it's driven by a lot of fud, yeah, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yeah. Um, and and you as a as a CRO, as a project manager, as a, as a RevOps leader. You might be able to talk yourself into that you're fairly certain that this mm. is going to work out, but then when you present it to leadership, um, that 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 certainty might not get mirrored on the other side. There might be a lot of fear, uncertainty, doubt yeah. that they need to kind of chew through for this to work out. Um, and having you know listening to Carl here talking about um, how often this works mm. and how how often you only hear about the bad news. Yeah. It's it's a little bit of you know you you only hear about the crane plash uh, <laughs> plane crashes <laughs> and not about all of them landing right yeah, you only yeah. hear about the negative instances um and uh, and him basically kind of encouraging everyone hey you should be thinking about pricing and yes it's really one of the easiest things that can help you to grow right I mean mm -hmm. you don't need to hire anyone you don't need to you know train anyone to convert better you don't need to do any kind of tricks. Mm. Um, you need to figure out how can we increase prices and then roll it out and boom, yeah. you know, you have you have your price increase right there. I did this once uh, very successfully, but also on the back of the company hadn't raised, raised prices for three or four years or something like this. And then we raised prices 7%. And that was basically more than a than a Q4 of that company that yeah. suddenly came in. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, it was a, was a massive thing. And we had out of uh, a couple of thousand of customers, we had... Two that were like, oh, this is pretty. This is pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and people forget about this one a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also common, right? You everything else will increase in price pretty much every year. There's no reason, you know, software shouldn't. I was I, I was shocked. There's um. So Andrew, one of the co-founders, he's uh, you know, in order to manage the the holding business, basically, kind of he has, uses some kind of like a um, accounting software. Yeah. Economic and yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just send him an email. Hi, Andrew. Uh, price goes from 200 corner a month, which is like 30 euros, uh, to 250 corner a month. It's yeah. like, you know, I don't know, almost 40 Massive. euros. Yeah. And and it's a 25% increase. Yeah. It's like, hi, Andrew, yeah. 25% more. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there's there's nothing you can do about it. No. But there's also like, ah, it's not enough to like switch everything around no, no, and no. go somewhere else. And it's like, ah, it's, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just bite the bullet. And then it's also when every single other competitor does the same. It's yeah. like, well, do you want to then just switch another to complain about them raising the prices? Again, it's, it is it is a normal kind of thing. It's inflation. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like 25% <laughs> inflation. 25%. Um, I think the other cool thing about that episode, he did lay out actually how to do it, right? Yeah. Because so one of the, I think maybe it was a question we asked him when we discussed it after, but there's compound when you do price increases. And I was like, okay, that means the bill is going to compound. At some point, that's going to raise some flags. It's going to be a massive bill if you do it the same percentage every year, right? But his point was obviously also to you don't have to roll it out to everyone day one. You can you can test this out, and obviously with your customers' renewals, it comes rolling throughout the year. Um, so it might be a good idea, depending on the changes you make, to actually test it out yeah. first, right? So and, there is a process to the madness. And ultimately, in connection to Jaco, um, if you do deliver value in a recurring way, and if if you have delivered more value now than you have maybe a year ago, mm. which usually happens because you build a lot of product. 
you as a founder, you as a CEO, CRO can also stand behind the decision and be like, no, yeah. I feel good about this. Mm. Yes, yes, this is worth more now and therefore I'm charging more for it. Um, does it mean you can do it every month or every quarter? No, because you haven't been able to build so much more value yeah. uh, with your product, right? So that kind of also goes to say, well, you can do this, you know, maybe once a year, mm. but but you shouldn't be doing it more, more often than once a year. Yeah. I think it's time to listen to um, one of our great friends, Chris Orlop, mm -hmm. who was on the show. Uh, we discussed heavily how to lift the performance of the sales team. Yep. And if someone knows how, it's probably Chris. Probably so Chris. let's let's listen uh, to what he has to say here. A lot of sales reps are going to disagree with me when they hear this, but hear me out. I don't think it makes sense to dramatically decrease quotas just because we're selling through a tough time. One, because it doesn't make economic sense for the business. Right. At, there comes a point where it's like, all right, well, I'm not even breaking even on my rep if we hit quota or we're barely breaking even. Okay. There's a lot of things that go into a financial model that make it just not make sense to decrease quota in a very dramatic way. But the other one is more culturally, right? Sales is about winning in good times and in bad times, right? This is just part of the game, right? You win together, you lose together as a team. Then the other side of that is, okay, so in good times, are you okay with me doubling your quota? And if they're not willing to say yes to that, then it's like, then this is not a two-way street. Yep. Some pretty hard, tough, you know, truth being, yeah. being spilled there from Chris Olop, the AE Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet you expected like a tactical trick you could do to improve performance. You have to listen to the episode to get those. But this one was kind of interesting. No, but also, you know, he knew we we're talking to CROs and RevOps. He's like, oh, yeah. no, no. AEs will never hear this anyway. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, he's obviously super, super, um, you know, right on the money with this. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it um, it takes some guts to to say it like this as well. I can see how if you stand up and you are like, uh, you know, a sales leader if you stand up in the team and try and deliver that message, I don't think it's easy. No. But I think it can be done. I think a Chris Olof can pull this off, for example. Yeah. Right? And uh, and if he can get it done, you know, probably many other people can also get it done. Um, and um, I, I, I was like so, we we're always so deep in the formula, right? Yeah. The revenue formula. But, you know, but Mikkel, the opportunities and then the conversion rate <laughs> and then they can't hit the quota and, and so forth. Um. And he was he was going kind of completely the other direction with this, and be like, "Hey, wait a minute! This needs to be fair uh, in good times and in bad times." Yeah. No one is saying it's a marriage, but um, if if we are back to good times, are you then okay with me doubling the quota? Mm. Legitimately fair question. Yeah. Um, and uh, and people will obviously say no to that, right? Yeah. So I think it's um um I think it's a pretty cool way to try and you know diffuse and solve that problem. Yeah. And it obviously came on the back of the whole, uh, some of the numbers that came out around quota completion, right? That average quota completion is down. It's not looking great. I've seen some stat recently that might be improving a little bit, but like it's still from 37 to 41 or something. <laughs> yeah, something like <laughs> yeah. that, right? Um, so I think this is an important thing to consider also just going into the new year. And obviously he lays out a lot of the plays you can run in the sales process to actually make sure you lift the performance because... You know, in, in part of the episode we discussed, we came from easy times. It was easy to sell. Mm. But there are some best practices you need to follow, like how to build a business case, how to do discovery, and a ton of other things. Mm. So definitely worth a listen. Should we go? Let's to go to the other gong employee. 
That's right. Yeah, the other gong. Uh, Chris, this was not Chris preferential was, treatment, by the no, way. No, Chris was also at gong uh, previously. Chris Walker. Chris. Chris Walker. Oh yeah, Chris. I was like, <laughs> good. Yeah, let's listen to uh, Uli Lerogor. We talked a bit about uh, brand in this episode with him, so mm-hmm. let's listen. If you're not hitting your numbers, Super Bowl is not going to save you. If you're not hitting your numbers, mm-hmm. putting up a billboard on the 101 is not going to save you. So sorry to break it to you, marketers, but you actually have to hit your numbers on this quarter's goals and building pipeline for the next quarters, doing all the regular quote-unquote boring stuff. When you do that, you get to come and ask for extra pocket money to play and do fun things. And the way I build it is I always reserve roughly 10% of my media budget, programs budget, to do experiments that I would not easily be able to attribute to this quarter's results. I call them marketing experiments. Internally in the team, they were known as the budget line item, Udi's crazy ideas. Udi's crazy ideas. Uh, so many, so many rough things being thrown around here. Like, I'm sorry, you need to hit your number. And yeah, yes, yeah. it's boring, I know. But if you do, maybe you will get some pocket money yeah, yeah, yeah. to maybe do some crazy stuff. <laughs> I was also just thinking throughout this clip, did I set myself up putting this one as the last? <laughs> <laughs> the last clip. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Also, you know, granted, your pocket money, ten percent of your media budget, but that's like fifteen euros. Yeah, something like that. You know, it's like enough for you three can, Fiverr gigs. You can, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can maybe go outside here on the on the walking street and kind of chat up some people. Or yeah, something, cardboard you know? and yeah. Like, no, but I think so. It was so funny. I remember distinctly uh, when he has had agreed to come on the show. I was like. Awesome. Really looking forward to discuss brand and hear how he did the Super Bowl and all those crazy things they do at Gong. And she's just like, uh, no, you need to hit your numbers. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah. I'm not sure if sense. this was actually uh, after we stopped the recording and chatted, but he was like, oh, everyone wants to talk, you know, Super Bowl with me all the time. Yeah. I would actually love for someone to just talk with me about all the boring stuff we had to do because we were pretty excellent at that stuff. But yeah. everyone is so focused on, you know, I think they kind of have an NBA team, yeah, and yeah. Have, you know, Super Bowl and so forth. <laughs> It's you know it's it's those are the the shiny shiny objects that everyone's latching onto. It's like oh, yeah. Gong is successful because of the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. It's That's, like no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No, I think it's all, it's so common. You look at a business, and I remember we had the conversation uh, when we worked together at, at Falcon, known as Brandwatch. Today, we would look at someone else and uh, say, ah, oh, it would be so cool if we could do the same. And you said, well, they're just at a different point in time than we are. We can't do the same and leap forward like three years. It doesn't work like that. And I think it's so easy when you when you look at it from the outside, you only see certain things. You don't see all the boring stuff. No, I don't. And also, who wants to do that? I mean, come on. So I think, by the way, if Udi is listening, if you're listening right now, Udi, we should do an episode on the boring stuff. Oh, I would love to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally going to be the title. But the thing is also... Udi and boring stuff. I'm not sure yeah. those things actually <laughs> they go They don't together. mesh so well now. It's like, I, it's a, it doesn't work like this. <laughs> it's counterintuitive. That's why it works. Oh, wonderful. So those were kind of the clips. So we had uh, Yako on recurring revenue requires recurring impact. We had Chris Walker on the, you know, you're going to cheat to get fit. And then you're going to regain all the weight afterwards. <laughs> so that's yeah, cool. Yeah, you're wrapping this really nicely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had Kyle Poyer. On pricing, so bottom line, it you should just increase the price. Yeah. Period. More, you, yeah, more uh, and a lot. And then uh, we talked about uh, sales quarters. So no, you shouldn't decrease them. Yeah. Maybe you should increase them in good times, and then you can decrease them later. And then uh, yeah, forget about the Super Bowl ad. Just do the boring stuff first. It's so funny. Like we're, we're setting this podcast out with all the non-obvious things, and then all the all the guests comes like, well, you need to do all the obvious. Yeah. Things first. <laughs> 
are we doing it right? <laughs> nice. So, um, some other things that happened this year is uh, we already said we kind of dropped a massive ebook. Yeah. By the way, off the charts. Off the charts. That was a biggie. Um, we also uh, moved you to Substack, mm -hmm. revenueletter.substack.com. Every Thursday, some of my golden nuggets being dropped there. So if you're, you know, tired of listening to his voice, you can re read it instead. You know, also, it's really important when you read it to read it with like a Tony voice, yeah, yeah. German <laughs> accent, <laughs> yeah. kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we obviously shipped our uh, our platform as well. Bunch of product, yeah, yeah. a bunch of product. Uh, recently, mission control, which is essentially showing you where you have problems in your funnel. It's a bunch of cool stuff. That's it. That's it. I mean, so uh, one more year. What do you mean the one bank? more year? Oh, one more year in the back. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, one of many. One of many. And uh, hopefully a bunch of new guests in the new year. I'm You're looking forward welcome. to that. Yeah, and we already have some crazy people on the list. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's see about that. And let's, let's see who we can that. get. Yes. Let's see if next year's the Mark Benny. Barack, I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're listening. Just hop on. Ooh, and by the way, leave a review. Yeah, leave a review. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>